Chris Rocket. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous comedy seller. This is the bonus episode. I'm Dan Natterman. I'm with Periel Ashenbrand, our producer. Dove Davidoff is joining us, as always, for the bonus episode. And you are listening to us on the Ridecast Podcast Network. How is everybody? We are recording today on Friday because uh, we had some, uh, I guess Dove couldn't make it on Monday. So it is Friday night, though it doesn't seem like a Friday night. There Friday no night, Friday baby. Friday. Friday. Canceled until further notice. Dove is frozen again. That happens with Dove sometimes. Perielle, are you still with us? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm. Dove, you were frozen for a second. Yeah, you fell out for a bit, Dan. The, um, I don't know if I'm back in. You're, You're back. back in. You're back, baby. You're back. Okay, ready to roll. Ready to roll. Uh, Friday night. Such a weekend. Such a weekend we all have. Friday night, but it doesn't seem like a Friday night. No, it does not. Normally on Friday nights we're working. I haven't, I mean, other than this pandemic, I mean, I, you know, there are very few Friday nights where I'm not doing stand-up. Uh, before the well, that, that that's right. You know, I just I just took a gig in um Phoenix. I fly to Phoenix next week. Wow. Yeah, I um I was surprised that it's up and running. I mean, I, listen, for all I know, you know, they'll be shut down again by next week. But uh, to, to to tell you the truth, to pop up and do forty five minutes right now is a is a tall ask. I mean. That's, <laughs> Well, because you're, you're, out, you're out of practice. I've been doing a few Zoom shows, so. Well, I'm out of practice, and I haven't done any uh, Zoom shows. I mean, listen, I'm going to do my best, but um, you know, 45 minutes—it's a—it's a, a lot of words. You know, get used in 45 hot ones, and well, you'll—you'll uh, you'll have an excuse at the ready if anything goes wrong. Yeah, I'll have it at the ready. I'll have it at the ready. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you are you are you someone who ever brings? Like a, a notepad or any sort oh, of... Oh, it's getting brought up this time. We're going to bring a notepad, all right. I'm going to have a whole song list. I might put it like, you know, in one of those composer sheets. I'm going to walk up there with a wand. I, I mean, it's been a long time since, since you know, I rattled off, you know. I mean, 15 minutes you can string together after all these years. 45 minutes is... Uh. But, you know, I think you're going to have fun with it. I think it's actually going to turn out to be a great show because people are going to be like... They're going to be into the fact yeah. that you're doing a show after a long hiatus, that they're finally out, uh, you know, and then you'll be able to play off that. You'll be able to say, oh, geez, you know, I forgot or I haven't done this. Or, you, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Yeah, no, no, listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to use the circumstances. No two ways about it. And also it'll just be, you know, I mean, it will, it will, it will color some of this, what's going on in the world. And, it's nice to uh, uh, it's a nice place to think about and write from to experience people in other parts of the country and then um and even what it's like to travel right now. I haven't been on an airplane since this all began. I haven't walked into another city. I haven't, you know. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how how folks out west are dealing with it. Well, I assume uh, the the airplane thing won't be too tough for you. You remember how to sit I and remember not, <laughs> and not masturbate, which is really yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. No, I I know how to sit, but, you know, I mean, I'm curious to see how empty the airports are and whether or not they're actually spacing things out on airplanes and whether or not the space on the airplane seems functional or futile, and it will also inform my market decision. I, uh, you know, you research these companies and you really want to understand whether or not what the sustainability of these models are, business models. But anyway. well, your, your dear friend Brian Callen got COVID, and, and I believe he yeah. got it from performing, so... I don't know if that makes you nervous at all. Well, listen, I think it certainly informs the experience. I mean, I have to be respectful of a mask and social distance, but I'm ready to not be so respectful that I'm willing to say no. So I, you know, I mean, so I, it's a measured risk and I'm willing to take it at this point. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I look, nobody wants COVID, but um, it's, um, I mean, at what point do you start getting back out there? You know, Dan, I mean, we, you know, people are eating and, 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 you know, I was riding my bicycle around Soho and the western part of Soho or the West Village, you have blocks where people are sitting right next to one another and um, they're all eating outside and they're all talking in close proximity. And, um, I, you know, is it so much different than an airplane? 
Perhaps a packed airplane, it yes. would be different than. Yes. Yeah, you're oh, right. Sure. It is. In, no, you're right. Instead of outdoor, but yeah, you, you know, you, yeah. you you take the risk, and uh, yeah. you're right that at some point we have to. I, you know, at what point? I don't know, but at some point, unless we come up with a vaccine, in which case, then this whole right. thing is over. But, but uh, you know, absent that, we have to take risks. Well, I mean. The, the U.S. had 63,000 cases. Um, oh, just, just the other day. Yeah, just daily. But yeah. how, many, oh, how, yeah. many, how many people are dying? I, I don't know that the... Or, well, the deaths have gone down, but it is worth noting that the United States continues to have 4% of the world's population and 25% of the um, COVID cases. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Are you going to wear? I, first of all, I have a hazmat suit for your plane ride if you'd like it. <laughs> um, you're going to wear a mask and a face shield. I should probably perhaps wear a shield. I mean, I think I'm just going to wear a mask, but maybe I'll bring a shield too, just in case. I mean, what about on, on stage, I assume you're not going to be wearing a face mask. I, I mean, certainly will not be wearing a no, face mask. I, I, theoretically, I suppose it's possible, but. Um, well, it's it's possible, but I think it's very limiting, you know, both for the audience and the person trying to communicate, and it's less audible. And you know, I mean, I think the expression on your face is less visible. What's like that? Make that? You have one joke in particular where you stuff <laughs> your nose. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I don't know what I do with that. My that crinkle too. without my crinkle expression. What will I do? I mean, how will I possibly, you know, generate a laugh or two? But it's um, well, let's see what happens. I mean. You will know, the people in the audience be wearing masks? No, I don't think so. Well, and I mean, why would they be? The numbers in Arizona are higher than anywhere <laughs> in the fucking country right now. No, okay? I, know. I think that there's social, there's spatial distancing like they are in restaurants all over the country. But that's what the rollout looks like in most places. It's like 50, 60% capacity in the room. And then they space out the table. I haven't been out there, but I'm told that's how it's going right now. Listen, even New York, uh, uh, Periel, we were supposed to open up to 50% indoor capacity on July 6th. But then Cuomo came out and said, no, nothing doing. Cuomo um, came out and said, actually, this is a terrible idea. Yeah, it could be a bad idea. Yeah, but but well, the question, as as has been the case for a few months now, is um, is it worse than the alternative, which is to really continue to close everything down and experience higher unemployment and sustained economic um, calamity and the comorbidities that. Um, that seem to come along with it, whether that be suicide or unemployment or, you know, you know, coming in with a bottle of whiskey and a tank top and slapping somebody around for no reason. You know, I mean, that's, that's apparently. The one question is whether things should open up. The second question is whether you should be uh, going to Arizona, whether you feel it's necessary financially or psychologically to go to Arizona or just to make the case that just to bring joy to the people. As you feel, as yeah, your own. yeah. Now the people, the the people of the desert demand entertainment. Things are heating up over there. I think it's supposed to be 120 degrees this week over there, or it's supposed to reach 117 in Phoenix. That's a heat, boy. 117. By the way, I, I today I went to the dermatologist. It was my first in-person appointment. A couple of weeks ago, I was out with Dove and some friends, and. They noted that I had certain lesions on my arms and legs. Oh, yeah. and it looked like a bed bug. Insisted that I had bed bugs. Oh God, that must it, have made it, you insane. Well, that was an, an unpleasant uh, possibility, but I did some research online, and bed bugs usually leave a certain certain uh, calling cards, if you will, <laughs> uh, on your linen, and uh, they leave uh, blood stains and fecal yeah. marks and so on, and and um, things that I didn't see. Uh, not, I'm not saying my couch is clean, but it doesn't have those things. Right. And uh, I went to the dermatologist, and he said unequivocally, "There's no way it's bad." He examined under a microscope. Oh wow! The lesions, and he he has diagnosed me with eczema. Uh, oh. So I would just say that uh, that you're wrong. Yes, I'm uh, wrong. Yes. And yes. he was so cocksure. <laughs> And, but no, no, I wasn't cocksure that there was a bug. I mean, we were playing around. I thought, I, I thought, I, I thought Andy was more sure. But I know what you mean. 
Well, Andy's always sure of everything, and I typically ignore him. But it got me freaked out because bed bugs are, you know, a horrific thing to sure, have. Sure, sure. It's hard to get rid of. Them, what know? is what is that? And the thought of them, a thought of bed. What is what? Eczema is just when you scratch a lot. Uh, no, eczema is just sort of skin condition that I guess yeah. I can look up and get more details on. It's like, uh, you know, it can be stress induced. Uh, you know, which in my case would make perfect sense. Um, and I think it be, it, it's when you scratch it, it makes it worse. So um, that is the diagnosis. But he also did some blood work because there is there is potential, very, very, very remote potential of a thyroid or kidney problem that can have similar uh, presentation. But he doesn't see If you have bed bugs, you have to throw out everything in your apartment, right? But there any other subsequent? Terrible. Yeah. That yeah, can only you, help you, his apartment. You would, but again, I don't, but that he, he said, I said, I brought it up. I said, so it's not bed bugs? He says, no, he just did looking at the, uh, Looking at the yeah. rash, it was not bed bugs. So, so. Uh, but does does he feel that perhaps that there are a some a stress related component that you? No, should... We didn't get into that. But look, he could look. They're, they're, my stress is not going away. So anytime somebody tells me that something is stress related, in other words, they're telling me it's permanent. <laughs> <laughs> right. You so could say try to calm down. No, that's not an option for me. Stress right, is, right. is is. It is what it is. It's it a... is what it is, and yeah. uh, that's not going away. So. Right. If that's what causes it, then this is something that, you know, that, that, right. that's that not going away. Stay. I mean, there's other, you know, not necessarily stressed. I haven't done the, too much research. I mean, he was very quick in and out, you know. Now, I mean, New York doctors, they don't have a lot of time to sit there and discuss. Well, here's, here's what it is. Here's yeah, the, here's right. the cream yeah. I'm prescribing and goodbye. They don't have but any he, time. He, he let you right in? It, was, it wasn't challenging to actually make it into the office? No, no you had to get the temperature taken before going oh, in, and everybody wears a oh. mask. Everybody wears a mask, a lot of guys, my kid, my, my kid wasn't feeling well. We had to do a teledoc, like the one Cariel did. I'm looking up. You mean the one where she spread her ass cheeks? Yes, that's correct. But my, my child had one as well. And, um, you know, it, I mean, it's very functional. I mean, you can see how we are all moving in the direction of digitization. Uh, eczema, I see. It's common in children. It can occur at any age, you know. It's, uh, no cure. Yeah. All right. It helps to avoid harsh soaps. You got to stay away from the harsh soaps, then. Uh, yeah, that could be the problem. Oatmeal, right? You need to take like an oatmeal bath. You need to moisturize. You need to moisturize, and you stay away from harsh soaps. Whatever the hell that means. The guys in there with a, a vicious, a hard soap. Um, you know, whatever. Listen, everything's going to be fine. Can I ask a few questions? Yes, you may. Well, we're related to what? I mean, well, I'm really interested in this in Dub getting back on stage. Um, okay. I have to uh, then we'll, if you're interested in, then then perhaps others will be as well. So you can now pursue <laughs> your line of questioning. So, do you usually like riff a lot, or do you decide based on each show and... Yeah, no, all, all of that. I mean, I'll riff, and it depends on what kind of new stuff is going on. And also, some crowds that are really are sort of respectful and polite and will provide more time, you know? You have to get to d deliver funny at some point, but if it's a crowd that seems relatively grounded and they're not really young and really drunk and it's not midnight, you know, it's... it's it all depends on the people. You feel it when you're when you're doing it. You know. And so, are you going to write a bunch of new material? I would imagine that you kind of have to. No, no. Well, you're going to riff on life, you know, and what it is now. I mean, it'll. I, you know, I'm not going to. I'm. It's not, you know, a script, but they are jokes. And so, I before I start embarking on on, you know, too many new ideas, I'll riff around, but. I got to get my feet under me with this, <laughs> with an act because I haven't been up there in, in, is it four months now? Is it March, April? March 13 was the last day I was at the cellar. I did nine shows on a Saturday night. So, oh, nine yeah. shows on a oh, Saturday at the cellar? I've never, I don't think I've ever done that many shows on one. No, night. no, no. It was because people were calling out. So oh. maybe it was, no, maybe it was six or seven because three people called out, something like that. I remember, like, I think Judah called out, like, you know, certain guys, the, 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 as soon as the the idea of a virus yeah. makes itself known, you know. Judah, is not, Jude, well, Judah won't shake your hand. 
Under the best of circumstances. Under the best of circumstances. In a pre-COVID so, world, Judah wouldn't shake your hand. So, no, he's not that's doing right. that. That's right. Yeah, so um, I don't know, but it'll be interesting. I mean, I want to see, I want to experience what's being done in airports. I feel like it will provide more. I mean, while there's inherent risk, I feel like it will provide more perspective around whether or not all of these steps being taken are how like how likely is it that we're going to open back up in a meaningful way prior to a vaccine of sorts? Um, so I want to get a sense of those timelines. I mean, as you're going through an airport, I want to see whether or not they feel like they're on top of it, um, and whether or not I'm seated next to somebody. Once again, Dove is frozen. You know, you were frozen a little bit. So if you, you were frozen a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, I mean, I wasn't saying anything too important, but I'm, I'm trying to process what's going on in the world, and I can't do that just from inside of New York City. And um, although I'm concerned about what's going on here between all the political bullshit and the racial unrest and the affluent, you know, leaving. And not that I'm particularly fond of the affluent class, but they are responsible for much of the economic dynamism and, and, and a large percentage of the taxes in this city. And without taxes, everything that BLM is, is hollering about is not going to be addressed. So I don't know. We could be in a tough spot in New York City. I mean, we'll see. I'm curious to see what other places feel like right now. Now, what are you going to do um, if there's somebody seated right next to you on the airplane? Well, I'm going to try to make sure that's not the case. And these airlines are saying that they're spacing out whenever possible. Um, so I that's guess I'll cross that possible. bridge. I think, I think the middle seat has been uh, eliminated. Yeah. I don't think anybody's sitting in the middle seat. Yeah, they're not supposed to be sitting in the middle seat. So I, I just as soon... Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to wear a mask and do that. You treat yourself to first class, perhaps. I don't know if that would help you, uh, you know, help help the safety issue at all. Well, I don't know about safety. I mean, first class is always nicer, but I, I'm not going to pay another G just to just to sit in the seat. Uh, well, if, if it makes you less um, susceptible to COVID, it might be worth it. But, yeah, I don't think that it would necessarily. Nah, if you got to pay another by the time you get, yeah, no, I know what you mean. In theory, yes, if you thought that, it would really diminish the likelihood, but I don't think it would. I mean, the proximity to another person, if you're not missing, if you're missing the middle seat, you're right, not closer roughly to, the same. roughly the same. I think that sitting in first class makes you less susceptible to everything bad. Yes, that's right. You're less susceptible to crime. You're less susceptible to the flu. You're less <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a better class of person that you don't want to sit next to. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the plane won't crash for sure. No, no, nothing bad can happen if you're sitting in first class. Yeah, no, you won't have any problem with the bank, you know, mortgages, <laughs> or I mean, all of the calamities associated with, um, you know, a world and upheaval. Um, By the way, uh, just, just. Uh, Separate topic. Uh, this is something that I had told Dove, but I don't believe I've made a formal announcement yeah. uh, about it. But I have finished the first draft of my novel, Periel. Now, you might recall wow. uh, that it started, I started writing about 14 months ago. I am now going back through it and editing it. And hope, hope to have a readable version by the yes. end of the summer that I could send to people, hopefully, to try to get an agent, to try to get yes. a publisher. Dan, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Look, he can't even take it, though. He's like... No, no, it's not for him. Listen, if you had told him it was a bestseller, you'd get the same response. Believe me. We'll have to see when and if it becomes a bestseller. Well, we can put your theory to the test. Hopefully, we can put your theory to the test. Though I I suspect we won't be putting that theory to the test. Well, don't suspect that. What's that? Don't suspect that. No, I'm well, I'm just uh, odds are, but but um, odds are. Well, odds, odds are. are, odds are. You know, very few books are bestsellers, and I don't have a huge fan base. Oh boy, here we go. You know, if you had a huge fan base, you could maybe assume that you'll get X number of sales based on your fan base. I don't have that, so it's just going to have to be 
uh, word of mouth, I guess. But um, Or maybe the merit of the book itself. Yeah, but that's what word of mouth comes in. The merit of the book has to, you know, people yeah. have to know that the book has merit. And I, I don't even know who's reading novels. Any, who, like, uh, who's reading these days? And who's well, reading novels? You know, people read what novels. What is it called? Do we have a title? Oh, yes, I have a title. I haven't had it. I didn't have a title until just about a couple of months ago. The title is Iris Spiro Before COVID. I was what? Say it again. Iris Spiro Before COVID is the title. It's great. Uh, and COVID really uh, gave me the title. It's it, brilliant. Without COVID, I would have had a title. I don't know what it would have been, but um, I will. Say it, it sounds like uh, it sounds very Philip Roth esque. Yes. Right. Well, there, there was some, uh, you know, there's some degree of Jewish angst and neuroses in baked into the novel. Yes, it's not uh, quite at his level, uh, the Philip Roth level of uh, of that, but uh, there is, is some of that in there. But I don't want to get too much into the details, but I will get, I did tell you the title of it. But yes, so we'll, we'll see. You know. Now, is your experience of going back um, and editing or, or and rereading, is it, is, it, um, is it at times painful and at times exhilarating? I wouldn't say painful at times. It's like, it's fun. If like, I was like, oh shit, yeah, I like that. You know, yeah, right. I forgot yeah. and I went, went back and I said, oh, I actually kind of like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I forgot I had written that, but actually, that's pretty good. So, yes, so that's yes, good. Yes. Um, and it's making you laugh while you're reading it. Well, I don't necessarily laugh at my own shit, but there's some stuff that I do think is funny, and there's also stuff that I forgot. You know, but first of all, when you start writing it, you're at a different place. You might have diff a different vision of where it's going to go, and and then when you go back, you're like, oh, I introduced a character that I never used again. Uh, yeah. I introduced yeah. one character that I just discovered tonight. I completely forgot, and I introduced this character. Yeah. Um. And, uh, and it's like, I never, I never, I got it. I was like, now, well, now I got to, I like the character, but I hadn't brought him back. So now I got to bring him back because I completely forgot about it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Not that I, you know, that I, I introduced know. him and never brought I, him back. I mean, writing a novel is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it's a huge accomplishment. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, yeah. I do think it is, 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 is you know, it's certainly, um, the, the the highest summit I think you can climb yeah, in the literary yeah. world. Yeah, it doesn't get any any higher than a, than a than a good novel, I'd imagine. I mean, in terms of, of course, good is the caveat, you know. But but at a given an equal level of quality, I think a novel is harder than a memoir or nonfiction. Yeah, although nonfiction can require an enormous amount of research. And that can be hard in another way. I love, know, why, why am I accepting these digs against memoirs? Why, what do you think? Those are easy <laughs> to fucking write? I don't think they're easy, but I think they're e I would imagine they're easier now. But a good memoir is going to be better than a bad novel. I'm saying at an equal level of quality. A three-star memoir, a three-star novel, the novel's more difficult, I would think. Why? You're making it up. Yeah, but you have to make it up. In memoirs, you're making half of it up, also. Well, you're making it up based based on reality, which of course you can do in a novel, because a novel can be based on reality. Novels can resemble memoirs. That is true. But as a, a general map, not you know, not, uh, not a walk in the park to write a memoir either. <laughs> no, no, Dan. Given the same cost basis. Said, so given the same quality. That was my point, as I said. Um, anyway, if you have no other further questions about the novel, any questions I'd be happy to uh, answer. But if not, we can move on to other. How long do you well, think you edit it? Pardon? To edit? I, like I said, I think I can have a readable version in, by the end of August. Readable meaning that I would be willing to send it out to people that right. want to read it, not right. necessarily, and see what they say. And then... The next step would be try to get it into the hands of agents or publishers. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a quixotic <clears throat> journey, you know, to try to to try to get a novel out there. I mean, it's a very honorable it's an honorable journey. It's just that we we live, you know, in a world that that seems to get less curious 
maybe um, intellectually, you, you know, and, and there's something about that literary form that it's, it's, you, you can't help but lament it if you've read things that have impacted your lives. And then you think that people in general are not reading and or reading less and less at a rapid rate, you know. Or they're, or they're, or they're reading tweets. They're reading, yeah, you know, yeah. they're reading our little blurbs, a uh, little, you know. Yeah. People are more distracted. Uh, than, but readers know, are readers. I mean, people who read books are people who read books, and they will always read books. I mean, perhaps that number has indeed gotten smaller, but I think lovers of literature, you know, aren't that interested necessarily in having well, that taken over by. I'm not children. sure this is literature. Is, is the issue? <laughs> um, you know, this is divine. first of all. But you can leave that out of your pitch when you're trying to get it. <laughs> no, it's not literature in the sense that it's it's not high-minded. Uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's designed to be uh, funny. You know, and uh, accessible. So, um, you know, I don't know, but. Uh, We'll see. I wonder where, where the peak period of, um, you know, sort of, I mean, the novel, like the painting, used to be a much more prevalent part of, you know, certain types of culture, you know, like it was a real talking point, whereas now, perhaps if it were a really popular TV show, you could engage somebody about the last episode that you saw, but it's pretty uncommon that you can read a book now and then talk talk to someone about the book you read in the way that you could communicate with somebody who also read the same book. It's just the likelihood that two of you will have read the novel, you know, is, um, is on, it's kind of unfortunate. I mean, it feels unfortunate. What do I know? Maybe it's just my no, age. I mean, that's really depressing. That th the thought of that is really depressing. I mean, yeah. Well, it only depresses me because it impacts my ability to unload this novel. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't depress me. But um, yeah, but you didn't. Nobody writes a novel just for the end game. I mean, you got to really. Well, wanna... I do want to get published. I don't want yeah, to write for just to self-publish it or to have it sit on my hard drive. Although I. You know, it out yet? Is it what? Have you printed it out yeah, yet? No, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have no intention of printing it out. Why not? Number one, my printer doesn't have enough toner in it. Number two, who the hell prints out these nowadays? Who's printing okay, now? So first of all, you I'm, should I'm, print I'm, it out. First of all, you should get some toner, order some toner on Amazon. <laughs> well, I know and how to I, print the fucking book out and watch. I mean, it's like giving I'm, birth. I'm, I'm reading it. Uh, I'm editing it on the screen. It's and and if yeah. anybody wants to see it, they will be sent an email file. You yeah. should edit it in real life. I don't even read books in on printed pages. I read them on Kindle. Well, then how are you lamenting the death of the novel? <laughs> because I didn't say I don't read novels. I said I don't read in print. I read on Kindle, I just said, if you've been listening. Well, that's why all the books are disappearing. Well, we, you're defining books as paper and ink. I'm defining it as the book, the the, the words, which can be read on electronically or otherwise. Do you read what? books, books, or do you read on Kindle? I read electronically. Everything I read is electronic. <laughs> you're holding on too tight, Perio. You're holding on too tight. To, to a world that I've, I've that been accused of that anymore. before. What's yeah. that? that I, well, I took that line from Boogie Nights. And yeah. that's when. Uh, that's when um, you know, that, that uh, Floyd Gondoli trying to convince the, the uh, Burt Reynolds character that the future was video, not yeah, film. Yeah, that's right. Video, not film. And and Burt Reynolds said, hold on a second. You're coming Don't to my house. Yeah. You're telling me that it's video, not film. Because, like Periel, Burt Reynolds was holding on too tight. Holding on very tight. But Burt Reynolds was an artist. He was an artist. So that's, no, was an that's artist. Uh, you know, and then porn just turned into something that, you know, you, you capture two people banging on video, but what Reynolds did was on film, you understand, and it was well, art. Not only that, but, but nowadays, and this is, I guess, a good way to leap into something else, um, nowadays, porn, there's no plot anymore. You used to have, it was a movie with an actual plot, things, you know, like an hour movie, yeah, an hour and a half. Plot. Yeah, hell of a plot they had, yeah. The plots weren't necessarily the most interesting, but they were plots. Now it's just ding dong. Hey, who's here? Oh, they don't even bother with the pizza delivery anymore. It used to be at least have a guy delivering pizza. 
I mean, now is that, part, is that part of like what's appealing? What's that? Is that part of what's appealing? You know, I think a good plot would help if it was acted well. <laughs> but but if it's not going to be acted well, I guess it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, but yeah, um, it would be, I think it would be helpful, erotically uh, helpful, if it was like a well-acted scenario. But you would never have that because, you know, they, you know I, 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 well, you know, everybody's entitled to their own experience, but uh, regardless <laughs> of how well it was acted, it really, I like to get in and out. And when I shut the screen, I do so with um, prejudice. I mean, it is not a proud moment <clears throat> when I start, nor when I finish. And I don't want to prolong that experience of humiliation any longer than I need to. It is simply a demon that must be, uh, you know, exercised. exercised. Um, I don't know that women regard pornography quite that way. With men, it's a very specific... Once again, he's frozen. He was frozen in mid... uh, Mid mid, mid porn. What what about the female experience of uh, erotic film? I don't uh, think there's with anything. With men, it's just we have a, there's a very clear end point, and then we turn it right off. Yeah, when you come. I was trying to be a little more delicate. but I sometimes am so sick of myself <laughs> that, <laughs> that while I, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, uh, reaching, uh, reaching the ultimate um, destination, I uh, shut the screen. So I'm catching it in a napkin while closing the screen uh, because I'm so horrified. <laughs> I'm so horrified what by both. Why? What are you horrified about? What part is so? I'm horrified that these people are doing it. It's all so horrible. Uh, I mean, on the screen, on the screen, these people are humiliating themselves. I mean, come on, who does this? For, for, you know, every they try, you know, women and men, you know. Uh, Empowerment narrative. It's all bullshit. You gotta be desperate and out of your goddamn mind to suck people off on a camera in front of a camera. And it's just so base. I I never think about it like that. It's the opposite. Masturbation to some 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 point is the opposite of uh, writing a novel. It's 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 a novel is the most you can pour into something on some level and then squeezing. (laughs) (laughs) Dove, your your sound is not great. I don't know if you switched to another mic or... uh, I don't know. I certainly have not switched to any here. Click. Now you're good. Different. Um, What were you saying about squeezing what? Okay, getting so upset. The... In, in order to, you know, reach some sort of conclusion to that act, it is, it is very, it's a, it's a, there's something just, it's, remember Ernst Becker, Woody, it's one of Woody Allen's favorite books. It's called The Denial of Death. And, and Becker's philosophy was largely that most of what we did culturally and otherwise was the manifestation of our need to distance ourselves from the notion of our own demise and nothing brings you closer to the animal kingdom and your own demise, like choking away at your own pole. <laughs> it is so It is such a, such a debased act. I, I kind of would like to argue the, uh, the opposite of that. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah, coming no, from a feminine that. point of view and it's a little bit different. But um, by the way, I'm reading Woody Allen's autobiography right now. Uh, he's got a very, very poor opinion, not a poor opinion, but a very measured opinion of his own abilities, which I guess is not uncommon. But, but he's constantly uh, saying how just, you know, uh, non, not a genius he is and how, uh, you know, he's yeah, got yeah. some talent, but a lot of luck and a lot of, yeah, a lot well, of luck. He's, he's, he's wrong about all of that. He's a genius. I think unless you're jerking off like five times a day, like, it's fine. 
Well, it's all fine. It's just every now and then you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror or that's you don't have a napkin handy. I mean, that's a mistake. I mean, these should be things that are prepared beforehand and then you yes. don't have those problems. Well, it's a very animalistic act, as Doug says. It does let you know that you are uh, basically a monkey, you know, and... Um, you, you know, and monkeys masturbate. Yes, I know. That's what I'm yeah. saying. No, no, that's a question. They just like you. They just all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they can't get enough of this stuff. Do all animals masturbate. I don't know if all of them do, but uh, certainly uh, monkeys do. Yes. Oh, the monkey. I mean, I think I think <laughs> that they're, they're known for it here. Uh, uh, does what? <laughs> how many times a day does the uh, chimpanz- chimpanzee masturbate? He's asking Siri or whomever. Um, so I'm not asking my mother, you know. Here, let me see here. Um, well, that's, that's I mean, I don't know if there's a number. Primate masturbation. How many times? Let's see. I think it also depends on their sexual opportunities. I mean, if they're in the zoo, maybe, and they, you know, they, they, they don't have title of the article and then there's another one although you you cut out a bit but there's another one um effective mating the effect of mating activity and dominance rank on male masturbation among free-ranging male primates i don't know what that means Ooh, prevalence frequency and associations of masturbation so sweet ready for this yeah Yakushima macaques are especially yeah. busy monkeys. The males yes. masturbate on average four times per hour, especially when they sense a female in heat. Although not all of these efforts end with ejaculation, a good proportion does. God, could you imagine? You're talking about knocking. <laughs> For an hour, for a minimum of eight hours a day, I mean that is an ungodly. Uh, um, I mean, you're talking. You know, you knock thirty. You knock one out thirty times a day. I mean, I feel like as long as you're not doing that, you're good. Like you're fine. Oh, no, that is not a Yakushima macaque. <laughs> I'm not, or whatever, whatever word is. But, no. but, but, but I would imagine that to put. If they sent a woman in heat, why not go have sex with the woman or a female round? Well, Don't you ask yourself the same question. I've seen women throw themselves at you in a bar. You find a way out of it every but time. But your macaque is not as, you, not as repressed you as may be. You're a Fukushima macaque. No, but the macaque uh, doesn't have the psychological issues that I have. I'm assuming. Right. Oh, you're right. You're I could right. be wrong, uh, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, the macaque... Yeah, no, that's... You would think a good macaque... Well, I would imagine because there was an alpha male, perhaps, um, sort of, uh, you know, tapping that ass, so to speak, and then they just couldn't get in. And so they spend their time on, on the outside, yes. you know. Yeah. Or is it possible the macaque, 30, like us, might 30 think, creams a day. Maybe the macaque <laughs> is thinking, you know what, it's just not worth it. She's going to be calling me up. <laughs> That's right. And right. I don't really like her. I mean, I, I yeah, yeah, I, I, I throw one, but... I'm gonna have to say I have to be up early tomorrow. Yeah, it's a whole thing. You don't want to get involved. Plus, the intimacy is a turn off for the Yakushima macaque, the male macaque. That is. Oh, the macaque um, yeah. doesn't have to, the macaque can't say like I got a flight tomorrow because the, the female macaque will say, "Wait a minute, they don't let monkeys on planes." <laughs> Come right. up with a better excuse. That's right. That's right. You know. Yeah, no, no, that's all, it's all good stuff. Because... I'm going to just start handing you guys premises. Yeah. Well, we, a masturbating monkey is a good premise, if ever there was one. I mean, you know. It's, no, it's an excellent premise. You know, the woman says, are you going to stay over? And the male says, no, I got to, <laughs> you know. I, I, it's <laughs> and then yeah, I got a meeting. And a story, and then he doesn't have a shelter. What'd you say, Dan? No, the, she, the monkey says, I have a meeting. And what meeting? You know, you're a macaque. <laughs> you're a macaque. Well, macaque, I mean, in theory, could have a meeting. But, you know, you could say, no, listen, you know, my car broke down. Or, 
<clears throat> I got a uh, I got a doctor's appointment in the morning. I, I've got I've got an eczema I'm dealing with. I'm, I <clears throat> I gotta leave. I gotta be up early. Yeah, the macaque has no excuse. When you look at a, these monkeys, if you you know they real they're us. I mean, you, there's no question. When you look at no a monkey, question. and you no say well, these are our like it or not, these are our cousins. Uh, yes, we like to pretend that we're something different, but and we are somewhat different. We're obviously more intelligent, I guess, than uh, well, we, necessarily. But we're more, yeah, uh, right, right. I mean, certainly more capable intellectually, but uh, you know, in terms of you know, cranking one out in front of a point, you know, I don't see how it's functionally any well, different. Well, the difference is we typically do it in private, whereas macaque he'll do it wherever he happens to be. Yeah, the other, well, yeah, well, yeah, no, that's that's part of it. I mean, most of us, anyway, right? What's that? Most of us. I've certainly been on a New York City subway. Yeah, the sub- that's there. the exception. The subway is the exception. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and if we if we're not careful, and, and we we um, and we sort of um, reorganize the police to the degree that they're afraid to make any arrests because anything remotely non-white, they're going to be called a racist. Tell you, Dove, you, you're, 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 um, you really cut out a lot. I don't know if there's anything you can do on your end. Are you on Wi-Fi or are you on something? Yeah. I don't know what Dove's connection is. I'm not, am I cutting out this much, Perio? No, for some reason, Dove cuts out all the... Dove, you cut out a lot. I don't know if your connection is... Well, I, I don't uh, understand that. My connection is. Well, there we go. Is, He's on the Lower East Side. I don't know. Maybe Lower East Side has a bad. There's uh, bad air down there. There's well, anyway, while Dove is uh, trying to unfreeze himself, I do want to talk a bit about um, the guest that we had on the other day on the re- on the regular podcast. We had Peter Singer on. He's a moral philosopher. Is it maybe to do with the weather? He's Dove. I mean, you're really. We, we had Dove. We had somebody on the uh, the other day on the regular podcast called Peter Singer, who's a moral philosopher. Oh, I read Peter Singer. I know it's. He's out of Princeton, New Jersey. Princeton. Well, he lives in us. He's Australian, but he teaches at Princeton. That's cool. Australian. That's right. A moral philosopher. Yes, and we were talking among other things about veg, uh, vegetarianism and about eating animals, and he mentioned that it's wrong to do so. And you know, I mean. Maybe oysters are not sentient beings, but basically most things that we eat are sentient beings, or we should at least assume they are, and we should not eat them. He's he's 100% right. And he also went as far as to say that if the rationalization for eating animals is that they are less intelligent, then he he compared, on a philosophical level, he compared the intelligence of a pig that's a reasonably intelligent animal with a retarded child or a very young child, instead that they have an equivalent level of intelligence, and one can demonstrate that. And if that's the case philosophically, then you must, um, you must eat the child. so easily rationalize that you can, you know, use something for food just because it's less than, it's a sentient being. He's 100% right, God damn it. And the more we... Guys, well, what I wanted to get into with him, and I just we didn't either have time or I forgot to ask the question, is at least there's no there's no right or wrong answer to this particular question. But when we say it's morally wrong to eat animals, I think most people can get on board. But then the second question is, is how morally wrong? In other words, suppose, for example, in a hypothetical situation, a human being felt tremendous fatigue from a vegetarian diet. He could eat it and survive, but he felt great fatigue and he couldn't do a lot of the things that he was used to doing, his quality of life was diminished from a vegetarian diet. Would, would it then be uh, immoral to eat animals? At what not, point? Not, not according to his philosophy, because it would cause an animal to suffer more than it would cause, cause a human to suffer. And that's the premise of most of his arguments. Yeah, right. And, and also, you could argue that that is... Um, uh, would it be chemically or biologically? It's 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 unreasonable to to make that argument because you can always um, substitute anything that any nutrients you derive from a meat. Right, it's a hypothetical question because there might be some people, by the way, that don't do well on a vegetarian diet. There probably are. Um, well, they just haven't. 
experiment enough of a range. And, and, and let me say that I'm not a vegetarian. I want to be more of a vegetarian, but I, I, I'm a hypocrite at this point. I eat less meat than I used to, but I certainly still, you know, when I'm walking by a Mexican place I like and there's some chicken thing, I'll still do it. So. And also, but Peterson is 100% right. Also, singer. Did you say Peterson? Peter, Peter Singer. Peter Singer. Oh, Peter Singer. Peter Singer is 100% right. Well, uh, another question is, is what about our caveman ancestors? Do we give them a pass? Because uh, agriculture was... Uh, oh, stop it. This goes without saying. You're starving in the woods. Oh. You're living in a cave. You're not going to okay, stay but, take a theater out. That's ridiculous. Well, but I'm saying somewhere <laughs> between those extremes, you know, at what point did it become... A moral I'll tell you at what point. Let me tell you. Yeah. The point at which you could choose anything and meat became very inexpensive and it was there was no savings advantage in any one direction or another and people still sloppily consume it as though it has nothing to do with the sentient being because they're so divorced from the reality of creating it and raising it and harvesting it and this is part of the problem of an urban you know populace and so that's when it became wrong if you need it for God's sake, if you if you could if you churn your own butter, you you're allowed to you're allowed to kill an animal once in a while. Here, you're not a you're not a vegetarian, are you? I don't. Think I so. am a vegetarian. Well, are you a vegetarian? Okay. But I don't know. Well, if you know a lot of things about me, but you know, I don't think you retain anything. They come in one ear, go out the it's other. Not particularly interesting to you? It's okay. No, I remember. Um, I, don't, I don't take it personally. I remember that you spread your ass uh, for a, <laughs> in front of a computer screen for a dermatologist. <laughs> forget. Dan, he just Dan, texted, just texted me actually. That guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm he a follow-up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he keeps bothering me, asking me for a follow. Peter's, I'm a vegetarian for the exact reasons that um, Peter Singer uh, elucidates, but I will say that I try not to be a purist about it. So if I'm on like a farm in Italy, and I know that right. this isn't right. some awful factory farm, yeah. um, I will you know, take a little piece of meat because I well, actually conscious, like it. But that, that's a very conscious kind of aware experience. And so without being fanatical, it's like I wear leather shoes. I mean, you know, it's it's very difficult to exist in this day and age and not be, it's, it's more about choosing your hypocrisy. And so right. we should not choose to indiscriminately consume animals that it's yes. bad for the planet it's bad yes. for us it's bad for sentient yeah. beings now what is going on with your rv well you know i haven't needed it yet because we're getting along so well now that we don't live together the agitative aspects of being in a relationship with one another in the context of living together was so challenging that um you know, long story short if I don't need something from someone emotionally or, or to the same degree. And I don't, if you're not my primary human touchstone and my partner and most of our contact is around logistics and my kid, and it's easier to get along. And so the distance, and I don't know, long story short, I'll probably spend two to three nights a week, maybe just two. And then, in in the house and then i just drive out in the morning early i drive out and you know i'm there with my kid by 8 30 in the morning and then i'll spend half the day with him and then come in that kind of thing and so right now i haven't needed the rv but the rv is a contingency that at any point that trigger can be pulled so you're able to live in the same house with jessica uh for a period of time uh comfortably no. No, I wasn't. Oh, if by a period of time, you mean two days a week. Two days and then a week. in the morning, I wake up with my kid. And it's not living in the same house like it's a real intermesh. I cook. It's like it works. Mm-hmm. It's more living in the house in the context of a romantic. Well, I don't know about romantic, but a, a relationship where you feel like part of the way I relate to the world is having an observation, having a thought, having a feeling. Jess has got some hardcore Al-Anon shit that just 
it's not okay to have challenging observations or, or difficult consideration. Like it, it's, it's not her culture. She wants to, you know, it's, it's, she's not into a lot of thinking, a lot of dynamism, a lot of, it's not, it's not for her, you know? So I think, you know, her experience of me is that there's always some threat level nearby. And now that I, you know, if you, I don't need to describe an experience that feels, you know, like, like uh, part of being alive for me is, is making contact with thing, ideas and observations and feelings. And there are a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, in, in, her it feels in, antagonistic for her. It feels antagonistic, almost like in the Woody Allen, you know, if you Annie Hall, when he's sitting there at the table and, you know, one person talks about the weather and then the other person says, this is good food. And then he's doing that disparity between the wasp culture and, you know, long story short. Yeah. There's a lot of that. I feel that, um, my husband's Israeli and, um, yeah, you know, I feel that too. Like he doesn't even realize. Yeah. Maybe you and Dev should, I don't know. I mean, throwing it out there. Uh, get together. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. The, um, <laughs> no, but this the, just sounds like the greatest divorce or separation I've ever heard. Well, we got to give it time. We, we got to get through this thing. But so far, it's, it's been a delightful divorce. The, um, no, you know, admirable. so far. No, it is. It's really, it is. It's admirable. Yeah, I mean, although I, I I think Rich Voss and his ex-wife get along really well. I mean, there are people that do. There are divorces that, that end up uh, leading to friendships or whatever you want to, you know, that have good, happy endings. You know, that does Yeah, happen. but the actual divorce itself is usually brutal. Even if you can wind up being friends. I mean, most of my girlfriends are divorced. Right. Yes. Yeah. And you're saying that in all cases, the divorce itself was difficult, was acrimonious. Minor exception. I do have one friend that I can think of off the top of my head who they did a really beautiful job. But I mean, for most, I mean, it got pretty fucking ugly for most of them. Well, we got, I mean, it was really ugly for a while. I mean, it was leading up all of the, awful things that have to happen prior to just going we actually need a divorce is what's so challenging and when that process has been accepted that's when in theory if there isn't too much anger and bitterness you know all that stuff but yeah you're right the actual divorce part sucks i mean right now i'm gonna have to you know i'm still working through some of those logistics but we've we've already mediated most of it between our you know amongst ourselves among ourselves? I don't know. Amongst ourselves? Amongst ourselves. Among, 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 well, Dan, I don't know. You're the novelist among us. You're the novelist. Amongst us? Among us? <laughs> I think it's amongst, but I don't know. Well, uh, that's what editors are for, you know. That's what they're for. That's what they're for. And to pivot to the real estate thing, I just would have both of you know that I've been trying to fucking rent a place and the inventory with proximity to Manhattan, yeah. but outside the city has, it's insane. Are you, you inside mean? the city, the inventory is high. Outside the city, it's low. Yeah. It's a nightmare. You're saying, you're saying- the opposite of what it's always been. It's the inverse. You want to you want to you want to rent something where Periel? Outside of the city. Oh, outside the city. You that is by you. You mean you and your husband and your child? Oh, well, for now, we'll see. Wait how- a minute! Whoa, whoa, whoa! It sounds to me. All right, Dude, we got we got five minutes till eight o'clock. I don't um, think you want well, to leave it. Preview for the next episode. Preview, preview. You know, it's a cliffhanger, like all the shows now on yeah. Netflix. All the streaming shows all end with a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, yeah. Sequel. So- so I've been, well, yes, we've been looking um, at a place to rent temporarily. Um, I mean, it, there seems like there's not going to be school in the fall, right? Uh, so, there are no problems in your marriage. Oh, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, there's always a problem here and there. Together, then I don't know what hope there is for anybody else, but it's... Uh... Well, there but, are plenty of people who look at. Uh, there are plenty of people who've been married for decades. No, there are. There are very successful marriages. Yes, there are. They're out there. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
you know, the, the late oh, yeah. killer who just died, him and his wife, Ann Mira, you know, seem to have a um, almost fairy tale marriage. Um, yeah, they're out there. They're out there. I mean, I, I don't know what the percentage is. I haven't made contact with many, but I've, I've, I've heard uh, about a few, like through podcast. I'm thinking of a podcast that I listened to and I met the guy who runs the podcast, him and his wife, and they seem to, and yeah, yeah. Anyway. But Howie the, you know, Mandel, you said? Howie Mandel was on the show? Howie Mandel, who was on the show. Uh, Ray Romano seems to, again, I'm not there, you, you know, in their bedroom every night when they're really? they yelling and screaming at each other, but from, from yeah. the outside, it certainly seems pretty good. No, you can judge from outside. You need to have factual inside knowledge of these things to be able to comment on them. Ray, Ray's marriage would have been so much more interesting to me had you actually been on the inside of their bedroom when they were arguing. It would have been difficult to have you living with them in there, in the bedroom. Any, any well-known person that's married that long to one uh, is least interesting, at least impressive, whether or not what goes on is it, I don't know, but hey, I mean, it's, that any celebrity or well, you know, famous person can keep a marriage together is it, and a comic nonetheless, or an actor. Yeah. But Perry out, you know, this real estate thing right outside the city, it's, it's going to be challenging for a bit, I'd imagine. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, if it's, you know, vaccine, obviously when there's a vaccine, people will feel that much more comfortable heading back to the city. But, um, yeah, everybody's in flux. People are in flux, you know. What do you know about Yonkers? I know there are really nice places in Yonkers. I don't specifically know a great deal about the actual market. I just know that people are leaving the center. And so if the center is Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. Uh, then they are going north, and they are going west to Jersey. Right. Um, and those... Isn't that right? ...are tighter... Then core urban. Isn't that where our dear friend Colin Quinn is from uh, Yonkers, I believe? No, he's from Brooklyn. Uh, Colin is famously from Brooklyn. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought he had a Yonkers association. Maybe he did not. I'm sure he's got a cousin up there that was a dock worker or something like that. You know, what are you? Colin's got an association everywhere that everybody, anybody ever swung a hammer. But, But he's, Colin's a brilliant man and he's from Brooklyn animal even i knew that even i knew colin. everybody knows colin if you don't know colin you know he's from brooklyn for god's sake by the way it's just colin's well, not just last month was colin's birthday oh was it well colin quinn colin quinn is a great man he's a great man Happy and, and he looks fantastic and he's more productive colin quinn by the way i should mention this he's an artist he, he's an he's artist somebody that is you know people get older and sometimes they they they, I don't say they give up, but they're not. They don't have the enthusiasm, the artistic drive. Uh, Colin Quinn seems to have more artistic drive, even in his sixties, to produce and to create, and has never, never uh, been more creative or productive. Which is good for us because uh, we have something to look forward to. Uh, those of us who are a bit younger, uh, you know. Um, Colin is an artiste. You get it? Yeah, he's he's, he's, an, he's an artist. But I don't know. I think that most great artists seem to continue to work well. I mean, until they die, pretty much. No? Yeah, no, no. The ones that are deeply curious and have to continue to, you know, move in the direction of the art. Yeah, I agree. But the question is, is whether their output stays at the same level. Um and yeah. I guess some some people do, some people don't. I mean, right. musicians tend. We talk about this on the show a fair amount. Musicians tend to just never be at their, at least at their commercial best in later years. Maybe they're just as maybe Springsteen's music is just as good as it ever was. I'm not musician enough to judge. Well, it's, it's different. It's different, and perhaps it's perhaps it isn't as popular. And yes, you know, in terms of a commercial context, people. But if you're a real artist, you keep doing it, man. I guess, you know, you keep painting. You ever read about, I read, I used to was getting into reading painters' biographies for a bit from Lucian Freud and yeah. Modigliani. Great. And I love Lucian. Fascinating lives, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, they keep painting. I mean, some of them are horrendous narcissists and they have very difficult relationships. Oh, but that's, yeah. 
they keep painting, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, you should, you should always, whatever painting means for you, you got to keep doing it. What do you do? You, 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 you start watching 12 hours a day of television because you got to keep painting. Billy Joe famously doesn't write music anymore, but he plays a lot. But for whatever reason, he doesn't feel that he's capable, I guess, of writing the kinds of stuff that he wrote. Oh, or he doesn't enjoy it. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's, you know, some people, uh, David Lee Roth used to call it a dinner, dinner ass, he called it. You know, it's when people go from a, a lean, hungry, artistic journey to they go to dinner every night and meet up with people. Yeah, like your salons. Like there used to be salons. Yeah. yeah. This show is like a modern digitized version of the salon. Right. And that's what you want to recreate. And that's what's so special about the seller. And that's why it leaves such a hole in uh, in my life. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we'll be back soon. Let's uh, let's keep the people wanting more. Is is in keeping yeah, yeah, God bless you. and yeah. uh, we'll see you next time. Um, yeah, Perry, you were about to say something. I was going to say, don't forget to say that you can also find this on YouTube at the Comedy Sellers YouTube page. And questions, comments, and suggestions can be given at podcast uh, podcast at comedyseller dot com. Dove, have fun in Arizona. Wear your mask and try to be, be careful. Yeah, safe. I guess as best you can. I don't know what you can do, but... Yeah. Stand Up Live in Phoenix, Arizona. Stand Up Live Phoenix, hey. Arizona. What are the yeah. dates? And where uh, can... 17, you set, uh, 17, 18, 19. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, I'm sorry. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 17, Bring 18. your mask and your funny bone to... Uh, what's the name of that club again? Stand Up Live, baby. Stand up live in Phoenix, baby, all the way to Tacoma. Philadelphia, Atlanta, L.A. All yes, right. Sir. We'll see you next time. All right, guys. Have a good one. Good night, everybody. You can follow us at Live from the Table.